and good morning welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks the show live from the Sinorama Studios the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics built by the Barndominium Co the Barndominiumco.com or the Barndoco as we call them where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot and of course it is the weekend but every day we are served by chicken cock whiskey and i can't wait to get my hands on that as we watch some ball beginning tonight there are some good games on the agenda the one that we're most focused on will be kicking off tomorrow night at 7 30 from neyland stadium up in knoxville jcjb and phil here until one o'clock this afternoon and coming up in about an hour michael flint will join us as he helps us preview uh, tomorrow night's game as well and then at 12.40 today, we'll be joined by Gamecocks starting pitcher, Roman Kimball. He'll be our guest picker uh, for a bunch of ball games that'll be, uh, be, again, beginning tonight and all the, throughout the afternoon and into the evening tomorrow. This will also be our last day as a show from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. Beginning Monday, we will air for three hours every day, 11 a.m. until 2 p.m starting on Monday, and we will be adding some programming in the future around that as well. So this is the last time you're only going to see us for two hours. That might be news to some of you. It might be surprising, uh, but it is absolutely necessary. And so we are looking forward uh, to spending three hours a day with you starting on Monday. Um, JC, of course, will have all kinds of stuff going on, so he might dip out from time to time. Mike Morgan will fill in a lot there, and then you'll get a heavy dose of Phil and myself uh, as well moving uh, down the road. So we're looking forward to that. We'll mix in some high school stuff today. We'll mix in some NFL, and we certainly have everything uh, ready to go, teed up and ready to go to help preview this weekend's Tennessee-Carolina game. And boy, is it a big one for the Gamecocks as they try to get over 500 and into an off week feeling really darn good about themselves. And I'll tell you a little bit later, 
just how meaningful that comment was based on Steve Fink's game notes this week from within the building. Good morning, guys. Good morning. You mentioned chicken cock. I keep running out. Well, that means you're, oh, you're, you're, you're shocking, Phil. Oh, no. That's, that's a shocker. <laughs> that's a shocker. Anybody, anybody drinking out of this glass? I don't know who else drinking out of this glass. Why, why does this bottle keep getting empty? <laughs> I'm going to pick one up before I head down tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. uh, I tell you, dog, thieves for the dog. Thieves. It's, 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 when you see that, like, you like raise preposterous stuff. Like, like, like I did that one time. I ran out. I was like, man, do you think the boys are sneaking my beer? No. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's uh, chicken cock. So. You know, that's it's good stuff. I know why we keep running out. It's very popular. Very, very popular. So, yeah, yeah, we appreciate all those that are uh, that um, have uh, spent their money on uh, literally really great bourbon. I mean, it's uh, it's it's just hey, look, man. You know, we don't just say it because you know they they write us a check or something like that. It uh, I don't endorse things that I don't like. I tell you that right now. Yeah, so, and, it, right. and it's it uh, like that commercial how they talk about how it's made the char. I like yeah. that. I like that part. It's uh, I made a mistake because you know I, I'm not a liquor drinker. I'll be honest. I, I don't. I, I I have tasted the chicken cock. I think it's good. Uh, my uh, fiance really likes it. All my friends love it. So that's a good enough endorsement. But um, I uh, I made a mistake one time. Uh, we. My ex-wife and I, the family, we 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 lived in Nashville. Her family came up, and we went to the Jack Daniels Distillery, right? And mm-hmm. uh, so, I got intrigued by Gentleman Jack. I was like, they run it through the coals twice. That's 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 how they. That's the difference between Gentleman Jack and regular Jack. So I take my butt to Vegas, you know, lightweight at the time. Didn't really drink a whole lot. We got there for a March Madness trip with my buddies, and I swear to God. Yeah, I, I, I was like, well, that sounds good. I'll have uh, Gentleman Jack on the rocks. <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm in a Russian massage parlor. <laughs> not, a, not, not an Asian massage parlor, a Russian massage parlor. Is that the one where they stand on you and everything? Now, that's the one where they just give you a massage and keep taking your money. Uh, there's no... Uh, anyway, uh, let's just say it was an interesting night. And I, I haven't had any Gentleman Jack since. But uh, <laughs> I, I say all that to talk about, uh, you know, because the commercial intrigued me as well with what they say about the char and all that good stuff. It's a it's a fascinating yep. process if you ever get a chance to go watch how it's all made. So, yep, yeah, it's a uh, it is, it's really neat stuff. It's a if you ever take a road trip to Lexington, Kentucky, uh, that's when you would probably want like if you're going to go up and watch the game, actually play football or basketball or baseball or something like that. Um, that's when you want to do that. You go up there and go on the bourbon trail and uh, head over to Paris, and you can go see how they do chicken cock. Paris, Kentucky, not uh, Paris, France, for those that are wondering. France is where the game cock women will be, though, in November opening the season over there. Speaking of road trips, it's the 2-2 two two Gamecocks in Knoxville this weekend. 1-1 one one in the league. A win, of course, will get them to 3-2, and 2-1, two, two and one, but it would drop Tennessee, guys, not just the 3-2 and two overall, but to 0-2 in the SEC. The game will kick off at 7.30 tomorrow night. Neyland Stadium seats 101,915. They should seat about 81,000 people, though, but 
they've decided that they want to move those numbers a lot closer together. They they uh, honestly try to cram less people into Dollywood or one of those uh, hillbilly <laughs> shows in Pigeon Forge than they do in the in a Neyland Stadium. It's like it's like they're like they need to get the bang for their buck. You, you know what I'm saying? Um, it's uh, yeah. I, I've been there at all kinds of different you know, playing weights, right? <laughs> big weights, smaller weights, skinnier weights. I bet they were big people, skinny people. It's never a good fit. You're never going to fit into it. Even normal size people can't fit into it. The size of the human ass on average is twice mm-hmm. as big as those seats. I don't, and I, yeah. And you think about this too, guys, Tennessee's fan base. I bet if you kind of, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying they're overweight. I'm saying there's a lot of big strapping hillbillies that pull from Tennessee from the mountains, and, you know, country folk that that's you know slaughter right. hogs and and farm and stuff. Big strapping people, you know what I'm saying? Uh, big strapping folk. So how the hell are you going to design a stadium uh, for that fan base? And go, guess what? We're we're going to, you know, take 75 percent of the size of the human buttocks. And uh, then divide it, and let's take five off, and, and make these seats. It makes no sense to me at all. No, so even the student exactly. section looks crowded. You'll look at their student section; it looks like they're just jammed in there. You know, it's just very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. I Is mean, the audio it's even on my end? By the way, yeah, yeah. yeah I you're was back. Just, you're back. I wanted yeah. you to say a full sentence, and then I was going to hit yeah. you up in the private chat. Yeah, you sound good. You sound better. Okay, yeah, you're back. That's why. That's why I kind of decided to. to like no, Jesus take the wheel here. That's like, uh, <laughs> that's what's what that's what teammates do. Yeah, at uh, we should we should be okay. Yeah. Um, but certainly certainly jump in if 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 necessary moving forward. We should be okay though. Um, yeah, I agree with you, JC. It's uh, I, I learned a long, long time ago uh, when you go to Neyland, don't you, you think it's the right thing to do? Everybody wants an end seat. You don't want the end seat in Neyland because you only get one cheek on, and uh, the other cheek is just kind of hanging off the rest of the ball game. So, uh, yeah, if you happen to make the trip up there, then don't, don't take the end seat. If, yeah, if you sense. have hemorrhoids, definitely don't, because that's that's just all kinds of <laughs> yeah, uh, unless exactly they're just right. unless they're unless they're acting up on you, then they may tuck those jokers back in, you know, with that piece of wood. I'm sorry, I'm off the rails today. I'm, nah, that's I'm, all right. I'm out. Of, I'm out here in God's country in Prosperity, mm-hmm. South Carolina, Newberry yeah. County. Uh, yeah, out here. Beautiful. And, uh, out I'm there. just uh, breathing the air in, breathing the air in. So, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful backdrop. Hopefully, you can jump in after uh, Carolina wins tomorrow night. I I think one of the things that's going to be a part of our conversation today is you know by the by the letter of the law you're a 12 point dog that would consider this to be uh an upset but um i don't know if it would be an upset to be quite frank with you Um, i'm not sure yeah yeah. go ahead i was gonna say you know else was a 12 point favorite over carolina recently auburn in 2021 uh uh, who else? Uh, oh, North Carolina in the uh, in the uh, Mayo Bowl was a twelve point favorite. Um, also, uh, who else? Um, oh, oh, uh, Kentucky opened at eleven and a half. 
right. until Levis got hurt, and it closed at three and a half. Um, Clemson was fourteen. I absolutely do not give a fiddler's foo about what the line is. Anytime Carolina plays, favorite I look, or not, I look at matchups. Always have. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. relevant. Don't get me wrong; it's relevant. But uh, I just this team's proven otherwise. You know. Right. Yeah, I I totally agree. Well, it's always been about matchups. Um, with, with, for me, because that's what we cover. So we look at the matchups and we try to figure out, do they, is it a good matchup or is it not a good matchup? If it is, then they've got a chance. If it's not, then they don't. I mean, that seems to be the, the lay of the land for, for Gamecock football. And, and I think this weekend it's a tricky matchup. And if it happens to work out well for you, it could be a really good night, um, for the guys in the garnet and black. But if some things bounce the wrong way, then it, it may not be. So we're going to get into a lot of that today and just kind of what needs to happen for it to bounce South Carolina's way uh, as well. Speaking of the game, once again, Tom Hart, Jordan Rogers, and Cole Kubelik will be calling it on the SEC Network. Of course, Todd, Tommy, and Chet Tucker will have it on the radio, and you'll be able to listen on Sirius Satellite as well, Channel 138. Or channel 202. All right, now here's something for you. If Carolina beats Tennessee, that would be just the fourth Carolina win in Knoxville in 22 tries. It would be the first in six years. Back in 2017, Coach Muschamp's guy went up there and got it 15 to 9. It would give the Gamecocks back to back wins over the Vols, five wins in their last eight meetings, and nine in the last 16 contest between the two SEC Eastern Division rivals. And here's a really neat note in this week's game preview from Coach Fink and his media staff. This is literally in the game notes that they sent to the media. This was the third thing listed under a South Carolina win over Tennessee would mean. It would make the upcoming bye week more enjoyable for everyone associated with Gamecock football. <laughs> so well done to Steve Fink and the yes, South Carolina um, media department, media information department for that note. Here, I'll add to this, by the way, with a little research. This would give Carolina their 23rd win since the arrival of Steve Spurrier. That would be 2005. Against what we've long known as the Big Three. Three, Tennessee, Florida, and Georgia. It will be their 23rd victory over the, those three programs since 2005. That would make them 23 and 33 in that stretch. 10 and 9 versus Tennessee. Prior to 2005, the big three was 80, 18, and 7 versus South Carolina. So clearly the arrival of Steve Spurrier changed a lot of things around in the SEC. And South Carolina began competing and winning. Yeah, it's a it, it's been a little different with Florida and Tennessee since then. Um, yeah, since Spurrier came, Georgia, you know, Holt's got a couple wins over Georgia. Brad Scott, I think, got at least one. Um, Sparky Woods got a win over Georgia, two wins over Georgia. Actually, one was before that. Carolina got the SEC back in 1989, which was a very surprising win. Uh, I remember Todd Ellis, but they threw a couple touchdowns early, got up 14-0, held on 24-20. Um, 
And uh, I guess people, that team was going someplace before Todd Ellis got hurt. So um, anyway, by the way, we're aware of the audio issues on JB's end, guys. Uh, we can't, that's something we, we have not figured out what to do. Somebody said it's a new mic. I can guarantee you it's not his mic. It has something to do with the internet connection, StreamYard, uh, yeah, and, and some kind of technical thing. So uh, just bear with us. Does it sound a little bit better now? We know. Yeah, it sounds a little bit better now. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. Yeah, you'll be good it, for a few minutes, and then yeah. it just goes into this like real it, staticky, skippy. Yeah, who knows? It comes out of nowhere. I, I think really. it's, I think it's an internet thing that's it's going on because I can tell you now it's not my microphone. I've seen some of those comments. I've been in the media for uh, over ten years, and I've got twenty five hundred dollars worth of equipment. Believe yeah, me, it's I not know as what equipment, a good guys. Looks like it's so, not so as so equipment. Don't be that so. jackass. Know it all. Don't be like, oh, get a new um, mic, you know. So yeah. Trust me, we're not. I'm not some podcast like some of the guys you listen to. We've been doing this a long time, so it's not the equipment. Um, but uh, can't control the internet, so we'll try to fig- figure out what we can do to uh, to help some of that stuff. All right, it is time for a break, anyways. So let's hit that. We'll continue to preview the ball game. Michael Flint, Roman Kimball, they are all ahead. We're built by the Barndo Co. Inside the Gamecocks. We'll be right back. Down here in the south. We don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Hey, everybody. This is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to letmepaintsomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. Let me paint something.com. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
Really where it all started last year was in this game. The turnaround of sorts for Gamecock football and Spencer Rattler, Tennessee, in Columbia. They have not forgotten that. We are well aware, and you'll hear that tomorrow night loud and proud on TV. And if you're in the ballpark, you will definitely hear it in there as well. Inside the Gamecocks, the show is powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. 30 minutes, JC. I I'd add 30 minutes yesterday on the hydro rower. Where'd you, the, what what uh, famous lake did you or river did you go down this time? Uh, actually, actually, I was in Boston yesterday. It's part of a training thing that I've I've that I've opened up in there. Um, so I was up there having a Boston tea party, and um, the last five minutes trying to keep up in the forty rows per minute is. Uh, yeah yeah it was a, yeah, that's, that's pretty intense i was i, I was a little jelloy <laughs> when i got out of there um it was it was a little rough if that makes any sense but um i i feel better i know that so i appreciate uh michelle and, and all them at charleston fitness equipment for giving me the awesome the coolest piece of equipment i mean i told you when i quit playing college baseball or when college baseball was over i should say not when i quit when it was over um I just never wanted to work out again. And now I actually really enjoy this. 85% of your muscles. I it's th- this rower itself is like 1900 bucks. That might sound expensive, but if it's not, if you're going to use it every day and maybe multiple members of your household are going to use it every day and you don't have to get up and go to the gym and you don't have to do all that stuff, it is so worth it. It's an investment and it's an investment in yourself. It is so worth it. So if anybody's interested, Charleston Fitness Equipment in Mount Pleasant. And um, you can come get it from anywhere in the state, or they can help get it to you, or whatever they need to do. All right. Uh, the text line is open, by the way, 803 766 6320. If you've got questions, comments, concerns, and more about the ball game this weekend between Tennessee and South Carolina, 803 766 6320. And um, we will be able to read your texts out over the air. And if we've got an answer, we'll provide that. The rest of the SEC this week, it is a good slate, guys. This is that kind of prove it Saturday, right? Uh, you know, let, let's see what you're made of. I think, JC, what'd you say last week, JC? Show, show me what you're made of or something. Man like. enough. Are you man enough? Man enough. Yeah. I think this is this is kind of a Saturday like that. I, 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 I see from time to time this term has been used over and over over the years. I don't care for it because everybody uses it. Separation Saturday. Nah. I mean, they've only played two games in the league. So, what are they separating themselves from? Nothing. Uh, I so like the whole prove it thing. I like the whole prove it this weekend thing. Since, like, since, Dow, Dow, yeah. since Dowell Loggins has been using spaghetti analogies, uh, yeah. with, he's calling uh, Spencer Rattler spaghetti, spaghetti sauce. sauce. I'll, I'll call it Spaghetti Saturday because all it's going to do, based on the way things have gone so far in the SEC, is twist things up even more. Right. I mean, there's nothing that can happen – this weekend that's going to like impact the next weekend when things will get even screwier. It's going to just be that type of year in the league. It is. You wait, you'll, you'll be sitting around and all of a sudden the Gamecocks will be seven and two or, or two and seven, right. <laughs> or a and M will win the West. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean with, with Max Johnson, a quarterback, I mean, it, 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 it that's that kind of year. 
Well, let's hope that the uh, first thing you said about Carolina being at uh, seven and two, that would mean that they are on a heck of a run. Um, and that would mean they beat a few of the teams that I'm about to mention. We know about the balls. That's tonight at seven thirty on the SEC network. That's back to twelve, by the way, that line back to twelve. It had dipped to eleven and a half. The overrunners at sixty one and a half. But kicking off the slate tomorrow at noon is a pair of SEC games, and they are very interesting as well. You need three TVs, quite frankly, if you want to keep your eyes on Clemson as well. Florida is at Kentucky, where the Wildcats are one-point favorites at Kroger Field. That game is on ESPN. And then also at noon, A&M and Arkansas, JC, we've talked about this this week. It's a neutral site game that is often forgotten about in the Southeastern Conference. It is at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, and the Aggies are six-point favorites uh, over the Hogs in that one. At 3.30, Georgia will take the short trek to Auburn, Alabama, where they're 14.5-point favorites, the top-ranked dogs uh, looking to get through an Auburn team that really has just not had a ton of offense this year. But it is the Deep South's oldest rivalry as well, and we'll see what they bring to the table on CBS. Missouri is at Vanderbilt at 4 o'clock. The Commodores and 4-0 Tigers are looking for their first SEC win. Missouri, with those four wins, has not played a league game, but they have beaten Kansas State. Uh, Vanderbilt, though, is looking to not fall further behind. Again, that's a 4 o'clock kick on the network. LSU is at Ole Miss tomorrow night at 6. A top 20 matchup where Lane Kiffin and the Rebels are looking to, quote-unquote, upset the two-and-a-half-point favorite Tigers. LSU, if they win this game, if they win the game, will be 3-0 and already in the league. This will be their third league game, and then they'll be heading uh, next week up to Missouri looking to go 4-0. and Alabama is looking to hang right there with them, and they'll kick it off tomorrow night at 9 o'clock on ESPN in Starkville against the Bulldogs of Mississippi State on ESPN, whom – Carolina took down last weekend. Bama is a 15-point favorite in that game, and that is this week. And our love Chevrolet drive around the SEC. Yep. Not an interesting that. We should have played it. That's all right. <laughs> I think I think that this is a good slate, guys. I I look. I don't think I I told y'all yesterday in the Fab Five. I don't think that Georgia covers the 14 and a half. Um. I think Kentucky wins. I think A&M and Arkansas is a good game. I think Tennessee and South Carolina tomorrow night is a good game. I think LSU and Ole Miss is a good game. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think that Mississippi State is just going to lay down on on Alabama. Like, this is a fight-for-your-life type ball game for the Bulldogs. And it's a great opportunity with, with the tide coming to town. I, I I don't see that being a blowout either. If there's any game in there that you think is just poo-poo, it's probably Missouri at Vanderbilt because it is, and nobody really particularly cares about either one of those programs. Um, but um, I'm not so sure that that one's going to be out of hand either. I think it's going to be a really good slate this week if you like good football. Yeah, I'd love to see Vanderbilt give Missouri an inspired performance, but I think yeah, or a I mean, winning. Yeah, well, yeah, that'd be even better. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not picking that. Uh, there's Vanderbilt. Uh, Missouri's too good. Yeah, uh, to lose that game. Although, a lot of times they do lose games they shouldn't. So who knows? But uh, I think, uh, you know, I, that Mississippi State you mentioned. You know, Mississippi State is the closest school 
I think they're closer in proximity to Tuscaloosa than Auburn is. So it is it literally that's how you get to Starkville is you get off the interstate in Tuscaloosa uh, and you get on this back road. Yeah. And, and you go through Gordo, Alabama, where Tanner Bailey's from. Correct. And then you lose cell phone service for about 30 minutes. And then you're in Starkville. Hmm. Argue, sorry. You go through Columbus and then you're in Starkville, Columbus, Mississippi. Right. Birth, birth, birthplace of Tennessee Williams, by the way. Or, or I'm sorry, where Tennessee Williams grew up, for those of you that follow American theatrical literature. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, those guys over in Starkville, they want to beat the time. I mean, that's, they're sick of, I mean, you know, that a school that close to you is a titan in the game. Mm-hmm. And you're just Mississippi State. So, you know, I, 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 they always try to play them hard. The one thing I will say is Alabama owned Mike Leach. I think Saban, when Leach got there, was like, all right, all right, I'm not losing to Mike Leach. All right, all right. And uh, <laughs> the Pirate, you know. Um, and so they never crossed the – hardly crossed, crossed the 50 against Bama. Bama did a good job. Mm-hmm. scheming them up, but, you know, you got to – I mean, what, how do you scheme Mississippi State now? You sold out to start – South Carolina sold, sold out to stop the run. Saw what happened through the air with Griffin. Do, yeah, don't you feel like you know? they're where the Gamecocks were? Like, not too long ago under Coach Beamer, don't really know who they are on offense. I mean, they were, they were this offensive – air raid juggernaut under Leach, and now they've kind of made this change. They thought they were going to be more of a run-heavy team, and then last week, they once the run got stopped, they kind of realized, well, maybe we should throw the football. Oh, yeah, I forgot this Rodgers guy's thrown for like 30,000 yards in his career. Maybe we should do that more often. Like, Don't yeah. you think they're having like a, a personality crisis right now on offense? Well, I mean, they're supposed to be – right, they're, they're supposed to have – it's supposed to be App State's you – know, the, the, the coordinator came from App State – if you remember last year, Chase Bryce threw all over a lot of teams. I mean, that that's that's the beauty, actually, of that App State offense is that it is kind of based in the run, but they've had several teams that will light you up through the air, too. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think, honest to God, just to be honest, I think they found a favorable matchup and exploited it against the Gamecocks, and that's coaching. You know, that's just kind of what good coaches do. Um, and so that's uh, – yeah, it's going to be harder to find that against Bama because Bama disguises so well coverage-wise and things like that. But, uh, look, that, that kid Griffin is a great player. Will Rogers has to have confidence after last week. Um, I don't know, you know, what Alabama's offense is going to look like. I know Mississippi State's defense is very susceptible to the pass. You know, and Bama's kind of like – they look like old school man, you know, man ball. I guess the old Miss, the old school Bama man ball team. Yeah, you know, where they're just gonna play defense, and and if they beat you twenty four to seven or something like that, they're fine with it. Um, and, and so it, it, that's it's an intriguing game, JB. An eight o'clock kickoff. Yep. Uh, out there in, in Starkville, clanga, 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 clanga. Uh, there are just no games this year in this league outside of when Vandy plays. And I, I'm going to include Georgia in that because although I think Georgia will cover it because Auburn does not really have an offense right now, uh, Georgia's not the same Georgia that they were, at least not yet. Mm-hmm. And and so everybody except Vandy 
you know, wow, anybody, I mean, you don't count anybody out in this league this year. Yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. There isn't one team and we've, we've kind of driven this nail in over and over that uh, has separated itself thus far. Uh, doesn't mean that they can't or won't. And my gut tells me that at some point in time, Georgia will kind of wake up, snap into it, and become Georgia. But that's my gut. There's no direct information that says that that is what they are becoming, what we thought they probably would just be once again. Um, By the way, I think that also is a little bit of a – even though they have dealt with injuries at running back, they've dealt with injuries on the offensive line, they've dealt with some defensive injuries, talking about the dogs. I think that that is also indicative of how good Stetson Bennett was. I mean, he, he, look, he wasn't, I mean, think about this for a second. All right. You're, you're talking about coming into this. You can make this argument coming into this season that Joe Milton at Tennessee received a lot more coverage for his physical attributes from a national media standpoint than Stetson Bennett, who had won a national championship, did last year returning to the dogs just because he was just some puny little 5'11 white boy who, you know, just kind of getting out there and doing the best he could, but just, you know, he just wasn't a high draft pick, so we'll just question him all year long, and all he did was walk out on the field, beat the crap out of everybody. It's really amazing, you know, what, what the national media at least uh grabs hold of and whatever narrative they decide is going to be the narrative and then the rest of us have to work through that throughout the year but i think it's pretty indicative of just how good stetson really was because he was good it it impacts everything just like florida being ranked it's not a ranked team it's not a very good team at all yeah uh i mean they, they got up played and played Perfect football. Tennessee did not play that well. As Wes Rucker pointed out on our show on Wednesday, there's goblins and gremlins and mm-hmm. people like that when it comes to that game, especially at Florida. Same same thing. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I would, you know, I could go on. I could go on all day, but uh, I, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, I don't know. some of the hype is well-deserved. Some of it's not, you know, some of it's based on somebody's agenda. Somebody, some of it's based on some, strictly somebody's opinion that they're trying to out opinion somebody else. They want to go against the consensus. I don't know. Yeah. I've I've been in a long time as far as the, the player evaluation part of it. And it's, it's isn't an exact science. Um, But I mean, you can tell, you know, just how people in that, in that part of it. And, and I guess I was this way, maybe not uh, mm-hmm. want to cling to their opinion. Because if I was wrong, I'd probably I'd usually kind of say, yeah, I was wrong about this guy. He's really good. You know, starting with Derrick Henry. Right. But, but like nowadays people are just so petty that they just cling to their opinions. Like, like, you know, Gollum, you know, from the Lord of the Rings kind of deal, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, there's so, like with Spencer Rattler, Finally, Brad Crawford said this guy's actually playing good after all this evidence. 
yeah, yeah, you know, I put it together, you know, yeah, and you know, so I, I don't know, but it, and they they always did that with Stetson Bennett. There was always a butt behind it. Always, oh, yeah, he's really good, but you know, he's got a great supporting cast. The guy actually beat, you know, if you think about it, how many five star quarterbacks did he beat out during his career? Oh. Fives, fives, not fours, fives. Yeah. So yeah. JT Daniels was a five. Yep. By the way, he's playing well at Rice this year. Congratulations, JT. All right. Uh, what's his name that uh, was committed to South Gunner Stott? It was a five, yep. at least for a part of the time. Brock Vandergriff Vander. was a five. That's three five-star quarterbacks that yeah. the walk-on beat out. Right. And he won two national championships. Yeah, just by virtue of just, um, you know, I mean, I, I think one of the things that made him really good was – how fueled he was by being told how good he wasn't. And and he and he was a smart quarterback. Now, hey, look, he had great players around him too. But as you just pointed out, JC, so did all those other five star guys. You know, he just really, really wanted it. And uh and he learned how to play football at that level. And he was so good. I mean it was I, I, look, I think Carson Beck is a good quarterback, but I mean I don't know that it's much of a choice if you ask me which one do you want. I don't think there's – I don't even – Not right now. I split right it I spit it right out pretty quickly. I mean, I, so I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, I mean, it's like nobody – people are so married to recruiting rankings too, and, and they've gotten – honest to God, they've gotten a little bit worse with mm-hmm. some of these hot takes. And they're just married to them because – you know, you can make a great argument that stars matter. If uh, if you're doing something as simple as you're not going to win a national championship without half of your roster being four and five stars, really good giddly giggy. I didn't realize that. Jeez, good players, like you know. But but what does that mean, really? I mean, Clemson won one with like fifty point nine percent. If you look at who's starting, like, give me the numbers. Who's in the two deep? I guarantee you that's a little different. Uh, Clemson won a national championship with a really great quarterback, a bunch of low four stars from Georgia and South Carolina, three-star kid from Florida, a no-star kid from South Carolina. Their entire secondary was just in, tough, hard-nosed in-state kids. That was their first one. Now, their second one, pretty loaded team, but uh, star-wise. But, I mean, you know, so but if you're married to that and you, and you don't really think about it, then you're going to always give the higher rated guy out of high school the benefit of the doubt, which to me is like having the kid, guy, the, the young man that's voted most likely to succeed in high school perform brain surgery on you because mm-hmm. he was really smart in high school and wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> Let's go to that high school. Who here was yeah. cool in high school? I was extremely. <laughs> JB was probably the king of Wando. I know yeah. Phil was the king of Wade Hampton. We all, <laughs> yeah, you go back in time and be like, oh, yeah, those guys are still awesome. I mean, we are, <laughs> but but I mean, I, I'm, I'm still thinking about some of the dudes that were popular in our high, my high school at Burns. And, man, they, they'd roll up to school in the parking lot at like 7 35. Bell starts at 8 15. They turn on the <laughs> in their CRX with the ground effects. With some like made up company on the on the on the banner, like Mystical Illusions Inc. Yeah. And and they were they were the kings, right? You know, all the girls. Oh my God, this guy. Man, five years later, you know, I'm I'm sitting there heading to graduation or, or heading to college one morning and 
I hear <laughs> here comes Mystical Illusions Inc. Same CRX, bald tires, baby seat in the front because there's no back. <laughs> Blue collar shirt on with the name. <laughs> got your name on it. Yeah, that's tired. Good. Tired as hell, rolling in the little cricket to get a dang coffee because he's been up with the baby all night. But that mystical illusions ink still rock. Ground effects are like half lit, you know, on and off. They're flickering, hanging off, little sparks flying sometimes. <laughs> anyway, I, I have no idea where you're. I'm laughing because I have no clue what you're actually referencing there, but um, I, I hear well, you. You had to understand where I went to high I school. Say, Stetson Bennett was a decent quarterback. No. Oh, okay. Stetson <laughs> Bennett. Got it. No, okay. I, I had no idea what, what was going on there. <laughs> I think the interesting thing about Bennett is I think it was a, a good marriage of a guy that had talent and is just a gamer plus a top quality offensive coordinator who knew how to get the most out of him. You know, and I think that's something similar to the track that rattler is taking this year at south carolina and that you can see what that looked like being mismanaged and now that it looks like you have somebody a bit more competent in that position here we're actually seeing some of the fruits of rattler's talent and labors yeah well and it all really started for spencer in this game last year the tennessee game in columbia of course uh when he Went in and lit up the night, and uh, on that particular night threw for the fourth most yards in the history of Gamecock football in one game, all while uh, setting a record that night with six passing touchdowns, the most ever in one game as well. Uh, and um, He really hasn't slowed down ever since then. His numbers since then, seven games going through last week in the Mississippi State, 22-86, on the yardage, that's 326 yards per game, 17 touchdowns. He's completed 179 of his 250 passes since the first one he threw versus the Vols and Williams Price last year at 71%. And here's a really quick stat for you on his running, uh, the running game for Spencer Rattler the last few games. Remember that North Carolina game? You include sacks, right? So, And a couple of those, although they were all technically on the offensive line, couple of those weren't. Uh, they were on him. He needed to get out of there and get away from it, step up into it, through it, and go. But 13 carries for negative uh, 22 yards that night against North Carolina since then. How about this? 19 carries for 86 yards for Spencer Rattler, and 11 of those have been deducted. So he actually has almost run for 100 yards in the last three ball games that he has played um, outside of kneel downs. That's pretty good, you know, so clearly they made an adjustment with him, but they also made adjustments up front. And, you know, JC, I mean, Phil, guys, you know as well as I do, if you if your quarterback is running for 86 yards total every three games, that's that's about 320 yards for the year. That's that's a that's a pretty good deal. Um, and, and so they've clearly made some changes there with what they're doing on offense and making that something, at least that the defense has to think about. I love the yeah. zone read play. Yeah. I do too. I'm a big fan. I was a big fan of last week, the stubbornness in running that. And I know that there are a, a, a lot of folks criticize that. Not me. Uh, and the guys that we've talked to this week, they haven't either on the show or off it. Perry Orth, Michael Flint, we'll talk to him in a little bit. Pat DeMarco, 
they needed to get into some type of groove that they felt comfortable running the football in and um, and establish it and figure it out and try to be good at it. And Shane was uh, – he talked about that last week, about how bullish they were at pushing the envelope on the run game. And, hey, look, these are the things we feel comfortable that we can do well if we just keep trying to do them well. Well, I mean – Complain all you want to about running the football for two and three yards, but the three games that I was watching prior to last week's ball game, it was second and 12 and second and 13. Last week it was second and seven. I'd say that's called progress. Uh, so, you know, if they are able to continue that this week or now maybe they're a little we, – we, we know a little bit of football, right, guys? And this is a question I've got for Mike coming up here in a little while. Um, if you feel like you got comfortable with two or three runs last week in the ball game then maybe try to implement one more this week that's not on tape and try to continue to grow the run game. So it's something that um, that is a work in progress, but last week certainly progress was made. All right, it's 11.47. JC, uh, let me, I, I talked too long. I tried to get you in there, and I didn't realize what time it was. Let me hit a timeout, hold that thought, and then uh, we'll get y'all's final thoughts on – On that, we'll wrap up a couple of other things this hour, and then Michael Flint will join us at the top of the noon hour to preview the game. Inside the Gamecocks, the show teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com. We'll be right back. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cold Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast. The char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. 
Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Good radio. <laughs> oh man, awful! <laughs> something unbelievable. Welcome back. Uh, only a few minutes left here in this segment, about five minutes or so, and then uh, we got to head back to break. Michael Flint would join us at the top of the noon hour. JC, I uh, kind of interrupted you there at, uh, as we had to go to break, but uh, continue on, my friend. No, I was just uh, – there were some people worried about the slot receiver. That was a very one-game thing. This team's covered pretty doggone well. I, I think overall, you know, I mean, and and I understand, you don't – you see something like you saw Saturday night and you want to throw the panic button, press the eject button and bench DQ Smith and all that. Uh, look, I've seen this defense four games this year, and – they're a little slow to adjust, and they need to adjust quicker. And opposing offensive coordinators are doing a really, really good job. Remember, the other team has coaches, too. These guys all make a million dollars, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, they've done a great job of finding mismatches and catching the defense with its pants down, and that's what good coaches do. Uh, and so I, I still, th- I mean, I saw it in the North Carolina game right in front of me. Uh, me and Phil were sitting there watching it. Uh, you know, if we could keep, uh, you know, the person next to me and Nat from getting in a fight with these North Carolina fans. Uh, you know, I, I saw a tight end on Stone Blanton coming our way on a crossing pattern. And I was like, yeah, well, can't do nothing about that. Stone's <laughs> trying. But, I mean, you, you got to know Stone's not going to be that good covering that, that tight end, right? Uh, I thought Georgia did a good job of adjusting and finding mismatches, particularly late to Brock Bowers out in the flat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Mississippi State obviously found something with DQ Smith on one of the fastest receivers in the league. You know, they've got to play different, you know, uh, and, and mask some of this. Every team, South Carolina's not alone. No, nobody has five defensive backs that can cover like gloves. If they do, that's called 2012 Alabama. 
Yeah. <laughs> they don't give up any points, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's got their strengths and weaknesses in the secondary, and you've got to mask that. So, you know, I, I think that uh, – I, I think – and Craig says don't bench him, move him to safety, but a corner and nickel who can run. Well, I, I think you got to adjust the nickel position, and then you got to play it more like a backer, which I think you could do against Tennessee because of how they spread you out. Uh, and, and they try to run it all over you. I mean, t- make no mistake, Tennessee's got a running football team right now. Um, you know, so you're going to need DQ in the box. You put somebody else out there that can't tackle uh, Samson, especially. They're younger. They're, they're the, the one you don't hear about as much. That's probably the best one on the team uh, outside of small and right. Uh, he's going to he's gonna run over that guy. And, and you know, so, I, I you know, six of one, half dozen of another. But I think um, – I, I, I just don't – I don't think you, you, you need to sit there and panic. I think it's up to the coaching staff to make adjustments. If you're going to play a nickel, you know, where exactly do you play? What, is, what exactly are his assignments? I mean, why are you asking him to cover the fastest receiver in the league? That, that's not – how are you – how is your defense getting into that mismatch? Because you're, you're getting out coached. That's what that is. That's not – you know, that's not, that's not personnel. That's that's some a good coach, uh, you know. I'm not saying I'm not saying Clayton White's a bad coach. I'm saying good coaches find the mismatches and they force you into it. Dowell Loggins does that to a certain extent. Steve Spurrier did it to a certain extent. Good defensive coordinators counter by masking that. In other words, like you you switch off things like that. So that, that's my take there. Xavier Leggett is certainly a mismatch for everybody he's faced this year. And he will be again against Tennessee this weekend. 27 receptions through four games for 556 yards and three touchdowns. Leggett leads the nation in receiving. He's been a focal point this week for Tennessee's defensive coordinator, Josh Heupel, and the rest of their staff to try to find a way to slow down. In this game last year in Columbia, he had one catch for seven yards. It was the Juice Wells show, as we all know. But tomorrow night, he's hoping to make that a lot different. It would also, if he can get over 100, be his fourth 100-yard receiving game of the season. Juice Wells had four the entire year last year. The record is eight. Alshon said it in 2010. Alshon watched him play last week. A lot of stuff is kind of tying itself in together right now. Yeah, yeah. When he took off like that on that crossing pattern, I think even the announcers were like, oh, my God. Yeah, I think well, Todd you, Ellis said it too. Oh my God! You just <laughs> mentioned Tulu from Mississippi State as the fastest player in the league. I venture a guess that uh, Xavier Leggett might have something to say about that, as he has been clocked as the fastest player in all of football this fall. This far, this fall, uh, twenty-two point three miles per hour. Speaking of fast, it looks like Amarian Brown's going to be back this week. So yeah, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. that's important. More speed. Yeah. yeah, I mean he's a guy that uh, he, he's fast. He, he can do some things. Um, Outside of a couple of unfortunate plays this year, he was actually when he got hurt against Furman, playing the best he's had since he's been in South Carolina. So that's a that's a good guy to get back because then that that kind of slides an option in there along with the tight ends and Omega Blake and Eddie Lewis and Luke Doty and those guys. Inside the Gamecocks is part of the Chief Sports Network, and that is very proudly presented by Dixie Vodka. Have your Dixie ready to go to If you like Bloody Marys, the Dixie uh, Pepper Vodka is unbelievable. It makes the best Bloody Mary 
ever. I learned that from a buddy of mine who owns a restaurant. That's all they use to make their Bloody Marys. Dixie Vodka is sensational. It's born and raised in the great state of South Carolina and in the beautiful town of Charleston. We're happy to be partnering with them as we are with our friends at uh, Chicken. Phil, Phil, tell, as well. tell, tell the wife to pick uh, to pick some of that up on the way down with Dixie Pepper. That's right, some of that pepper Dixie vodka. Lady. Bloody that's, Mary tomorrow. Uh, but right. no. Yeah, we're going to need it. <laughs> By the way, uh, you see me out of the lake house here, and you see my shirt. It's from Britain's. Please go by Britain's and see Perry. He's he's the man. I saw him this past week. See this shirt? It's the Big Spur old school mascot shirt. It's kind of a retro. Uh, that was a I like shirt. that. I really do. That's a great shirt. Yeah, too. The shirt was a gift, Todd. I'm keeping it. Yep. Well, actually, yeah, okay. I was going to say that the shirt was a gift. Perry, I'm keeping. Yeah, yeah Perry, I'm I keeping. love this shirt. Uh, also, the this Carolina dress shirt today. I, mean, I decided to dress up a little bit. You look great, Phil. Uh, also, this Airbnb or this this lake house that I'm in, uh, this guy is one of our supporters at Carolina Rise, willing to help Carolina Rise if you want to rent it. If you'd like to rent this, look on our Instagram page later. There'll be some more extensive photos. But look at this view, folks, and it's very secluded out here in the middle of nowhere. Inside the game, guys, at gmail.com if you want more information. Uh, for my friend Steve, Sunset Serenade is what they call it. Got a dock or boat ramp, everything. I saw some people fishing mm. earlier today. Let's go fishing. Let's catch a big fish, boy. Come on. Let's Great weekend to watch the game, guys. Uh, Mike I, and, Flint is up next. Gamecock Neighbors, too. Gamecock Neighbors next door. So, let's Hey folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include a variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. 
South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndominiumco.com, and we are driven by our friends at Love Chevrolet in Columbia, where, because I was screwed, the last place I bought a truck from won't get screwed this time, because we're going to Love Chevy, and uh, we certainly appreciate them and what they do for us and for the Gamecocks as well. Uh, Welcome into our friend Michael Flint, who... Apparently forgot that he was supposed to be going to wine night last night somewhere special with one of our friends because I got the invite when you apparently ghosted him. And apparently you missed out on a free bottle of wine and a five-course meal. So I told him. You know, somebody's got to work. I, 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 look, here's what I told Weez. I said, Weez, from here on out, just invite Carrie and I. Don't don't waste yeah. your time on him. My, this is why Michael can't get a date because he forgets that he has one when he agrees to go. Hey, I got stuck in Dallas, man. <laughs> a likely story. It's not, it's not. It's not. Here's the thing. <laughs> exactly. It's not like he got stuck in, um, you know, traffic. He was stuck in Texas, man. I, I got to. I I was a beneficiary of Michael's uh, not planning or plans to change the other night because I I didn't go in the game either. Uh, and the condo is right across the street, so I got to watch the first half with him. That was awesome. I learned a lot. <laughs> so, hey, you know, uh, don't well, knock it. No, man. Hey, hey, just just go with it, man. You just got to go with it. Sometimes you just got to go with it, man. That, that's 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 uh, that's my great deal, movie, man. by the way. It's a great movie. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that was the one with Jennifer Aniston and um, Adam Sandler, right? Yeah, I think so. That's what I thought. Well, Mike, uh, Carolina's looking to head to Knoxville this weekend and uh, and get a big victory. You were a part of the first ever team to do it. When uh, your buddy, let's call him our buddy, he's everybody's buddy, Josh Brown kicked a field goal up and through in 2005. 
that was an unbelievable night for Gamecock football. As a matter of fact, that season, that that 05 win over Tennessee, and then, of course, beat the Gators that year as well, y'all did, Mike, and when nobody left Williams-Brice after the conclusion of that 30-22 to 22 win, that kicked off the stretch that we're in now where South Carolina – is 22 if they win tomorrow night would be 23 and 33 versus Florida, Tennessee and Georgia combined since 2005 when coach Spurrier got to town. Before that, against that same big 3, the Gamecocks were just 80, 18 and 7. Ooh. So you were a part of that team that really began changing all of this, Mike. So the most important question that I could possibly ask was what was the after party like? <laughs> well, it was a night game, so uh, exactly we, we got back late, but you know, went down to the old spot of jungles and yeah, loaded up, <laughs> loaded up on some, <laughs> some beers. With Singh hooked us up, you know, right at about two o'clock as everything was closing, and you know, we started another one. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. That uh, we, we, you know, th- th- those teams, man, we, we, we were so close. The guys on the team, we were all, you know, real close with the, with each other. Didn't matter if it was offense, defense, special teams. You know, a lot of us were, were very tight and, um, you know, came from a lot of those, those games and those, you know, some of those wins and those late nights. But, uh, man, there, you know, Tennessee's been such a tough place for us. You know, back in 03, I remember my, my sophomore year, we went to overtime and just had a crushing loss. Um, you know, Dante Robinson just had phenomenal covers and the quarterback dropped one in right over top of his head and overtime to win it. Um, and just, you know, it's been, you know, just some tough fault night games there with some, you know, with some heartbreak. So, you know, looking to turn that around and kind of get back to that 05 momentum um, and think we have a really good chance to do that this Saturday. Yeah. I wh- Why do you think that we have a really good chance to do that? What What is – I'm not. I know you've seen Tennessee play, Mike. I, I know you haven't studied them. Um, clearly, you've seen every second of every Carolina game that they've played. But um, what is it that stands out at this point in time that makes you believe that the Gamecocks have their chance to win? The, have a chance to win their fourth game ever in Knoxville? You know, I don't think it's as much of what Tennessee is doing as much as it is what we're doing and how we're continuing to get better and better each week. Um, You know, and looking back at that Mississippi state game, you know, these guys are playing tough defensively. We had some breakdowns in the secondary. And if you, you know, eliminate some of those big plays, I think it's a completely different ball game. Um, Mm -hmm. The way we ran the football, I think Mario Anderson, you know, ran hard and he was so close to having really a massive game. Um, I think the more reps he gets in game, the better he's going to get throughout the course of the year. And there was a couple tackles that Mississippi State made that were, you know, really phenomenal tackles that a six, seven, eight yard play could have easily turned into a, a, a an explosive play of twenty plus yards. So you got to give Mississippi State credit. But I think a lot of the in game experience for Mario, he's only going to get better. He did a good job pass blocking. That was one of the things that I think really hindered him getting more playing time earlier in the year with some of that pass protection. But, you know, he stuck his nose in there a few times. There's a couple of plays that stand out that, you know, he stuck his nose in there on a linebacker that had about a four yard um, head start on him, you know, and he stepped up in the pocket and took the blow and really stopped that guy from coming. 
and allowed Spencer to step up in the pocket and make a throw that was a big play. Um, you look at the offensive line, Trevon Ball, you know, watching him, he plays tough. He plays with passion. He plays hard. Um, he's excited to be in there. And when you get a guy like that, he makes a couple of big plays. He just continues to get better and better and better. And with Tree in there, you know, he's the same way. I saw the way that him and Gargiulo kind of passed off some different stunts and 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 blitzes. And it really it just it looks like it's starting to come together for those guys. And they're really starting to gel. Um, the cohesiveness really seems to be there. Um, and that's just, you know, it's been it's been good to watch from game one, you know, to now. I think. You know, we're start that 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 the, those five up front are really starting to gel. I think you know, from a tight end standpoint, we need to get be a little more physical. But I think those guys are starting to get more physical and starting to understand it. I think Coach Loggins is really understanding how to utilize utilize those guys with you know from their strengths and weaknesses. But you know, I, I think with with Tree in there, he's done a good job. You know, those guys get a little tired up front as you start to get you know seven eight plays, maybe nine plays into a drive where you know there's been some breakdowns, but there was a couple times in there where I saw Trevon Ball just get, just get excited, you know, mm-hmm. for making a play, um, picking the picking his guys up, um, following through with blocks, playing fast, playing physical, playing with passion. That was really really fun to watch from a from a for a young guy, and you know Spencer the way that I think the confidence that he's playing with, not having the happy feet in the pocket like he's used to having, stepping up and making big throws, knowing when to pull it down and run and get those extra yards when nothing's there, not really forcing it. Um, And just having a complete understanding of the offense. And then defensively, you know, you look at what we did against Mississippi state, some of the, some of the changes that we made, you know, we're, we're, I think that's, you know, Clayton White did a great job. I think it's just, you know, we got caught kind of, we got caught kind of with our pants down a little bit in the secondary, not being ready at the snap of the ball. Um, you know, Mississippi State doing a good job of creating mismatches for the receiver. Um, and, you know, a lot of what they did came on chunk plays and it kept them in the ball game and, you know, allowed them to just hang around till the end of the game. I really think that score is not reflective of the overall, how the overall game was played and, and you know, who really won the game. I mean, us winning the line of scrimmage on defense was, was, was great to watch because Mississippi State's a really good running football team. And we were able to create those down and distance situations that are favorable to to the defense. But, you know, a lot of credit to to Boogie Huntley. I think that's the best game he's played since he's been here. I think the emergence of T.J. Sanders has really pushed him to become better, um, really pushed Tonka Hemingway and those guys. Jordan Strawn really played physical. I hadn't seen him play that physical this year yet. And whether it's coming back from the knee um, – you know, that was that was good to see because, you know, a couple of games I watched, you know, he, you know, from a blocking standpoint and setting the edge, you know, he was he you know, hadn't played as physical as he did, had. And uh, Brian Thomas is just fun to watch. Undersized defensive end that plays with a motor like no other. And he creates a little bit of chaos out there. He's able yeah. to collapse the pocket and really pressure that quarterback. And I think with him doing that with Joe Milton, I think if you create a little bit of chaos for Joe Milton, it he's not as good under pressure. And when he can't, you know, kind of process the play and be able to see the whole field, you know, he struggles a little bit with accuracy. But, you know, getting JT gear back was huge. Just the first couple of plays that he played, he was disruptive. And, and getting those guys back from injury is just is big. 
And I think you've seen the growth and the progress that we've made offensively, defensively. Um, I think the emergence of Mario Anderson is going to be really big for D, for, for to carry on. I think learning how to run between the tackles, making those cuts in the hole, making the first guy miss, um, that's what we were lacking. That's what Mario has been able to do is, you know, get yards after contact in the hole, break tackles in the hole, make the first guy miss or elude that first guy with a, with, with a one cut and go where he doesn't have a, you know, a clear tackle, you know, uh, get outside of his framework and go, which, so it's just, you know, the secondary I know has had given up some big plays and struggle, but I think overall they're okay. Um, you know, trying to get Jalen Kilgore in the game and moving DQ to, to, to nickel, you know, interested to see if we, if that continues um, against Tennessee or how we, you know, shift those guys around with who's at nickel, who's at safety. Um, but I think, you know, just the exception of a couple of big plays was really, really thrilled. Um, we were able to move the ball and have success and being able to run the football and show that on film going into Tennessee, I think was massive. And the fact that, you know, we can run the football, we believe we can run the football and we're going to commit to it. And that Spencer only threw the ball 20 times, but was very accurate on those 20 throws. So that was really, really, you know, great to see being able to commit to running the football and, and having the success that we did. And, it just, you know, we're, it's, we're close. I think, you know, in looking, we've gotten better every game. We're so close on the offensive line that they're, they're gelling, they're cohesive, they're playing hard. And that's, that was, that, that, that was fun to watch on Saturday and, and being able to run the ball. But I think the getting some of these guys back that were nicked, banged up um, is going to be big for us. Mike, do, do you uh, now in watching the, the, the running backs and, and how they have, like kind of sorted themselves out, you know, maybe begun to define their roles a little bit here. Um, you know, JC has um, said a lot around here over the last couple of weeks that Mario seems to be the dude that when you're between the 10s or between the 20s, you know, he's probably the guy that you want to see get the ball the most. Um, but to carry on Joyner, it's, you don't want to take touchdowns away from a guy like Mario Anderson. If he gets you down the field, it's kind of – you know, and that's Dowell Logan's way of doing things. Hey, look, you know, in the NFL, you're on your way down the field. You're going to get the ball to try to get it in the end zone, right? But but also, on Joyner's earned his way around this program for five years. And when he's in under that 10-yard line, he sniffs it. I mean, if he knows where the end zone is, there's a good chance he's going to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also want to be careful, right? Like, you don't want to – you don't want to give yourself up and and give it away on tape as to what you're going to do based on what personnel's in the ball game and and where you're on the field. So, what is what is that like for Dowell Loggins as the offensive coordinator trying to disguise his offense based on personnel? We've seen around here that doesn't work. It happened under the previous OC. Uh, he's done a nice job of it thus far, but you got a couple of guys that deserve carries for different reasons. So, how how do you figure that out? What what does that what does that process look like? Yeah, I mean, I think with on, he's got such a unique skill set that you don't see in a lot of guys. Um, you know, when you see him behind center as a defensive coordinator, you have no clue what's going to happen. You know, you have no clue whether he's going to run it. You don't know whether he's going to try to throw it, whether they're going to, you know, what what you're going to do. And you really got to prepare for everything when you see on back there at quarterback inside the 10, inside the 20, um, you know, and you can't sell out to stop the run um, because of that, because of that. Uh, the unique skill set that he has. Um, 
you know, it is good, you know, seeing the guy that gets you down there um, get the ball in the end zone. But, you know, it's also not about one guy. Uh, you know, it's about the team and it's about calling the right play or doing the right thing that puts you in the most in the best position to score. And so, you know, while it is people you know, look at that a lot, um, you know, I think you also got to look at, you know, getting the ball in the end zone and getting those six points and not forcing it. You know, a, a lot of people do see that. The guy got you down there. You got to get him the ball. You got to get him in the end zone. And that's when you come, become a little more, a little too predictable in what you're trying to do. And especially with, you know, how young we are up front, we don't really have necessarily have the means to be able to do that. So you still have to run your offense as you do and, you know, not worry about, you know, the one guy, but worry about, worry about the 11 that are out there on the field and, and calling the best play that's going to give you a chance to be the most successful, you know, and if that's getting to carry on back there, I think everybody on that team is thrilled, um, you know, with whoever, whoever gets in that end zone. Now, there are points in time where you want to try to do it when the game may not necessarily, when the game necessarily, you know, when you feel a lot more comfortable later in the game or, or, you know, during the course of the game um, with a specific play call to get a guy in there. But, you know, from that standpoint, I think, you know, you call what gives your team the best success and chance to get in there. Um, so, but, you know, I like what we've done so far um, from a play calling standpoint, how we've handled it. This JC is also, he's pretty smart, you know. Uh, he's also pointed this out by uh, virtue of reading over the last couple of days that the only three games that have been won by South Carolina inside of the Volunteer State have been very low scoring. Matter of fact, the Gamecocks have never scored more than 24 points in Tennessee ever. Do you think they're going to need more than 24 points tomorrow? Yeah, I do. I think so. Um, you know, they playing in Tennessee at night is tough. Um, you know, I think our defense has come a long way. Tennessee has been has been very up and down offensively. Um, it's kind of tough to know what to expect. I think Tennessee is going to try to Tennessee is going to be a lot more balanced per se than they were last year. I think they're going to try to come out and establish the run because we haven't been very good against the run. And I think you, you'll see Tennessee come out and try to do that. Um, Best rushing team in the SEC, by the way, is the if, I think if we're able to to put them in certain down and distance situations, we do have a chance to keep it to a low scoring game. Um, you know, but if it does become, you know, get towards that shootout type of game, I still am comfortable, you know, with Carolina being able to go score for score, um, you know, because of what we've been able to do so far this year with the offensive coordinator we have having Spencer Rattler in the backfield, the the comfort level that he has with this system, you know, the comfort level he has with the guys on the field, um, you know, I do like our chances. But I think if we're able to have success stopping the run early in the game, um, putting them in predictable down and distance situations, I think it does become a low scoring game from you know a Tennessee standpoint. You know, I, I just you know it's going to be tough. That environment is extremely difficult. You know, a lot of times in the first quarter, you know, throughout the course of the first quarter, you're trying to get used to the noise, the environment, and it takes a little time to adjust and try to quiet the crowd a little bit because when you can't hear and there's chaos going on everywhere, you know, sometimes guys get a little bit jumpy and you go from a, you know, a first and 10 to a first and 15, or you get a holding call on second down and now you're at second 17 and, you know, you kind of lose that drive, um, you know, trying to get it back to a manageable down a distance situation. So you got to look at a lot of those things because Tennessee is a tough place to play. I think that's probably, 
you know, given the circumstances and all the, you know, stadiums I played in, Tennessee was probably the loudest, um, but it was also the games were, you know, closer. And so there was that opportunity for the fans to, to stay engaged and stay, you know, very, very, very loud throughout the course of a game. And that's, noise doesn't have anywhere to go except for down in the, in the, in the bowl. So, um, but I could see this being a low scoring game and us coming out on top. I think we can stop them and, and we have some, we're able to establish the run. It's got a good shot, but you know, with what Xavier Leggett's been able to do, with what Spencer's been able to do, we've been able to score points. And I think, you know, against Georgia, if we were able to protect a little bit more and able to have a little bit of resemblance of a run game, I think that Georgia game is, is different. Um, but that defense is probably one of the best we'll see this year. And to do what we were able to do, I, you know, I really like our offense and, and, and us being able to score points, but being able to win in tight games and being able to win, have the, the the ability to win if it turns into a shootout. Play golf with TravelingCountryClub.com. The weather is cooling down 45 courses you can play in the Carolinas. Even guys like Michael Flint can play golf with TravelingCountryClub.com because they make sure there's a variety of courses in there for pros, good golfers, average golfers, and really bad golfers. TravelingCountryClub.com. Mike, uh, final question. PTSD has been a part of this fan base for a little while because of some of the road trips that the Gamecocks have taken under both Coach Muschamp and Coach Beamer. And within about 15 minutes, you looked up and wondered why in the hell you plan your entire day around watching this team play. Didn't make sense. Uh, However, the last couple of true road trips for Carolina have been a little bit better. They dominated the first half against Georgia. It's a big word to use against the dogs, but they did. And they went on the road and they beat Clemson in their previous true road game. There were a couple of, um, of course, neutral sites between that with bowl games. What is important early in the game tomorrow night? Let's call it the first quarter if you'd like. There will be 101 plus thousand. The ballpark should only seat about 40,000, but they put all the numbers really close together. And they'll be really loud. Um, and they'll be drinking all day, probably like Michael Flynn as well. <laughs> so what is very early, What is important tomorrow night, very early in the game, that you are looking to see specifically an X's and O's type scenario from Gamecock football to see if they've kind of settled in and if they match up well? I think the, 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 one of the most important things for us coming out in this kind of environment with this type of game is minimize the mistakes and the miscues up front and penalties and be able to have success on first down and sustain drives. You know, when you go three and out like that early on in the game, it really puts a lot of stress and pressure on your defense because it keeps the crowd engaged and it keeps that noise level up. But you saw against Georgia, when you come out, have success on first down, be able to sustain some drives, you see what it does to the crowd. But I think us for us is, you know, early in the first quarter, being able to sustain some drives and, and, and have success offensively, um, you know, to, to keep kind of minimize that, 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 that crowd noise. And I think defensively kind of getting it, you know, collapsing that, being able to stop the run, having some success against the run, but, you know, in passing situations, being able to create a little bit of confusion, in chaos for Joe Milton, mixing up coverages, disguising coverages, making him think a lot. Um, you know, I think the more we do that early on and make him, you know, kind of 
try to improvise a little bit, I think, you know, that's a, that's, I think we can have some success against that. So that's one of the things of, you know, creating a little bit of confusion in the secondary and up front on Joe Milton defensively, um, you know, making him think and, and being able to collapse that pocket just a little, but, uh, you know, offensively, you know, minimize the mistakes, miscues, penalties, and, and be able to sustain some drives early on to kind of, um, you know, keep that crowd noise out. But it's re- it's going to be really interesting to see how Tennessee decides to to cover Xavier Leggett, whether they try to use a, a combo coverage, um, whether they, you know, trying to bracket him with two guys. Um, and when defenses do that, it creates a lot of openings for other guys. And seeing what guys like Amari and Brown, um, Eddie Lewis, um, you know, Luke Doty, seeing what those guys can do, um, you know, seeing what Spencer Rattler is able to do if he's not able to get to Xavier early and often during the game, you know, how we can, you know, exploit some of those coverages that Tennessee might try to do uh, on Xavier to try to bracket or combo um, using a kind of a cloud coverage over top or a combo coverage um, to wherever Xavier is. Yeah, I I agree. And Amari, JC mentioned earlier, Amari Brown is back this week, and he's ready to go. And um, and this could be a big moment for him too. Boy, it sure would be neat to have a guy like Juice Wells in there, uh, but he won't be. But having somebody who can kind of be alongside Xavier Leggett on the road in the SEC against a team like Tennessee, it's it's time to step up. I wouldn't be shocked to see that, and I also, to be honest with you, wouldn't be shocked to see Omega Blake have a big night uh, on the road up there as well. He just can cont- every week he he's, you know what I mean? He's like, he's there. He's there. He's and there. He's, he's made some critical catches and, you know, in yeah. critical situations on third downs. And so I think the more comfortable he gets in game, I think the more you'll see his athleticism and what everybody was so excited about during preseason with him. Um, it's just getting that comfort level in the game, in game, in front of the crowd, um, you know, kind of reacting to the situation, not really thinking as much. I think once he's a, once he can kind of free himself and and get comfortable in those in game situations, get comfortable catching the ball and going, which I think he is. It's just you know, game atmosphere and practice atmosphere are completely different. And you know, him getting the more and more comfortable he gets, and you're going to see his athleticism start to show, and it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I tell you what, I tell you, somebody earlier this week talked about Xavier and mentioned Brian Edwards. Omega Blake is who reminds me of Brian Edwards, uh, just his body structure, the way that he moves and, and things like that. Mike, got to let you run in about 10 seconds here as we've got to get to a break and uh, mention a quick programming change uh, prediction tomorrow night. No, I really, I really like South Carolina's chances. Um, you know, I like the offense. I like what the defense is doing. I think South Carolina pulls out a victory here. Um, you know, I, I've debated whether to go back between, a, you know, more of a shootout or, or more of a, a, a low-scoring type of game. But I think it's going to be – I think you're going to see some fireworks between between the offenses. But I think South Carolina wins. And I think it's kind of that, um, you know, right there in the 40s and 30s, um, you know, 42-38, 42-35. But I think South Carolina wins the football game. 42 points. If they win with 42 points tomorrow night, I will uh, have my – well, you'll have to come stay with me because my wife won't <laughs> let me drive. But you know what I'm saying. Uh, we'll celebrate in style. We'll FaceTime JC and Phil or so around midnight and see what they shouldn't be doing. Thanks, man. Great stuff as always. I'll holler at you later. Enjoy it, man. Go Cox. Wando's World, Michael Flint, the original one nine. All right, timeout. Our keys to the game up next. 
Uh, Roman Kimball uh, ended up uh, having to back out today as our guest picker. Have no fear. Gamecock baseball is always here. Grayson Griner stepping up to the plate, former big leaguer and catcher, all-SEC catcher for the Gamecocks. He'll join us in about 10 minutes or so. But after this quick timeout, uh, we'll slide into our keys of the game before getting Grayson in. Can't wait to talk to him. Awesome stuff. Hang tight inside the Gamecocks. The show will be right back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. But because you've become my home. These windows could shut into the ground. These walls could fall right down. This crowd, the atmosphere that's going to be in that stadium, ready to explode just as they do each time. Their fighting Gamecocks are introduced. And so this frenzied crowd ready for the kickoff. The rave breaks out in Columbia. And what you're about to see is a spectacle unto itself. Let's enjoy. Well, 
Well, they won't be at Williams Price this Saturday night. They'll be under the lights of Neyland Stadium in Knoxville. But coming up in a couple of weeks, they will be back home, and it could be a fun one with Florida coming to town if the Gamecocks can go get a big, big victory. Thanks again to Perry and Britons for providing our game day attire. I surely do love wearing these shirts, and they are as comfortable as I've ever worn. Uh, quick segment here, then we got to step aside, and then Grayson Griner will join us coming up in just a few minutes. But, um, guys, some keys to the game tomorrow night, and I'll kind of lead it off here and then let you all take it from there. We might cross over with some of this. Uh, I've got one that that I wasn't on last week because of the passing of Capers, who was over my shoulder. This will uh, be the first game I've watched in this house without him. And uh, so we'll, hopefully they'll win in memory of my man tomorrow night but um, I did mention the week before against Georgia that bold moves have to pay off trick plays going forward on fourth down special teams big stuff like if you do any of that tomorrow night it has to work as if it doesn't work you know you get that atmosphere all excited and energized because it doesn't um, that can backfire on you and then the other things I had here are really more important they're more to the actual ebb and flow of the game I came up with a saying the other day JC you'll like it I mentioned it to somebody, and they said, ooh, that's good. Put it on a T-shirt. Second and long is better than second and forever. And that's kind of an, a, a tribute to the run game last week, being able to at least move the sticks forward uh, and, and have second and seven or second and eight. The offensive line has got to stay disciplined. The last time that they went on the road in Georgia, uh, some mistakes made up there. Uh, but you gotta can't be jumping off sides all night and, and having mental mistakes. They're going to do everything they can to make you do that early. I'll be interest, interested to see what that looks like. Uh, Got to get Milton out of the pocket. Uh, we all know that he has struggled to throw it when he gets out of there. Um, he will miss. He will miss. And uh, he'll hit some, but he'll also miss some. And then create third and long situations if you're the Gamecocks defense. Got to create third and long situations uh, for Tennessee and make it more difficult on them to move the chains. If you can do all those things, you're going to give yourselves a chance to let the rest of it, Spencer Rattler, Xavier Leggett, Mario Anderson, TJ Sanders, and the guys who are emerging as the stars of this program to go out and do the things that they're capable of doing and give you a chance to win. I agree with all of it. Uh, t- Tennessee, to me, is like the dude at the party that's really good at uh, getting there and immediately uh, taking a beer funnel. And... <laughs> And if you're not careful, he'll drink you under the table, right? <laughs> and you won't be able to hang. Uh, I think for South Carolina, you know, the key is to survive that first little bit. And last year, if you remember, Gamecocks took the ball, went down the field. Tennessee was like, so what? They scored in two plays, yeah. three plays. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, guess what? Gamecocks came right back and scored. Oh, okay. Well, Tennessee, well, okay, well, wait a minute. So you start, you kind of match them. You you, you take that funnel and, and you, you do a keg stand or whatever. You know, then the guy's kind of like, hey, he's not so much, you know, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not really going to be the king of this party. The guy's kind of messes with them. They're very much a momentum football team. They always have been under Josh Heupel. So was Missouri when he was the OC there. So was UCF when he was the head coach there. This is not rocket science with him. Um, and, and when teams have beaten them, They've snatched momentum, especially early. I remember, um, I'll take you back to 2017, Missouri, South Carolina. 
you know, they, they're going up and down the field. They're up 10 nothing. Everybody's going crazy in the stadium. And then there goes Debo. Ah, momentum. Next thing you know, Locke throws it to Jam Williams. Next thing you know, Debo on a reverse. It's 14-10 Carolina. Locke starts questioning himself. Joe Milton is a lot more like Drew Locke than he's like Hendon Hooker or Spencer Rattler. Um, and that's what you got to do, you know, I, I think if you're the Gamecocks. Just, you know, inevitably they're going to do – they're going to punch you. They're going to do something that in theory should allow them to get momentum. And you've got to do something and counter it. Because if you don't, the, the night's going to get long pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. So that's uh, that's what you do. Um, you know, we talk about Carolina playing at Tennessee at night. But, heck, man, they've only won three times in Neyland. And two of them have been at night. Yep. 2005. Yep. Uh, we were talking about with Flint. Then 2011. That was a bad Tennessee team. I think DJ Swearinger had a long pick six in that game. Or up, uh, an interception in the end zone. Uh, kept him out of the end zone, uh, Connor Shaw. But that was that year was like Shaw had taken over, and then Lattimore got hurt at Mississippi State. So it was Brandon Wilds and Connor Shaw basically running zone read all night. Uh, and I think Al Shaw made a touchdown pass in that one too. So they won fourteen three, uh, and then you know there was the the fifteen nine game. Ten, I, I still don't understand how Tennessee didn't score. But I'm thankful they didn't because I was watching the game of my Tennessee buddy David, and it was first a goal at the two. Carolina's up 15-9. Somehow Garantano found a way to mess that up. I think it was Rashad Fenton with the pass breakup uh, there at the end yeah. on fourth down. Um, so scary times there. But uh, I, you know, it, it's a Carolina's one up there at night before it. And look, I'll tell you that that 3 game, South Carolina should have had that one. 07 was a brutally tough game. Tennessee was oh, yeah. 20 yeah. to nothing or 21 nothing. Gamecocks come all the yeah, way back, nothing. tie it, take the lead. They scored too quick. Tennessee got a long field goal. Uh, then, then I think Tennessee kicks the field goal in the first overtime. Blake Mitchell had Kenny McKinley on a corner route, and it just man, that was the ball game. That was that was the ball game. I mean, you could tell Spurrier was like, oh, there's my kill shot. Uh, and then suck up, missed the field goal. You know, you, you go up there at 15. We talked to Perry Orth about that. You know, here goes Jarrell Adams. Bumbling, bumbling. Oh, fumbling yeah. into the end zone. Yep. Uh, and even in 19, you know, South Carolina's up at halftime in that one. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the rare special teams breakdown for that team. And then the offense just went to a, a complete the second half. And, you know, that was the, the beginning of – the short-lived momentum that Jeremy Pruitt had. And I think the, one of the beginnings of the end of the Muschamp era as well. But, I mean, I, I don't know. It's not like the Gamecocks have gone up there at night and gotten completely waxed. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll back, how about 0-1? Well, well we, we got to step aside real quick because we oh, got yeah. Grace, got, Grayson got is in. Our celebrity guest picker is ready to join us. So everybody hang tight. When Sweet. we get back, J.C., Phil, myself, and former catcher and former big leaguer, well, always a big leaguer, Grayson Griner, right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. 
And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sear Fossil, Caldwell Banker, Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271. Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. Hey everybody, this is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. segment of the work week and our picks heading into the weekend and we are honored to be joined by former Gamecock great and big leaguer Grayson Griner on short notice but we're going to see if he can upend Patrick Davis number one in our standings but man it is good to see you how are you bud I'm good thank you guys for having me yeah I didn't uh I didn't have any time to do any research so don't hold these picks to me (laughs) <laughs> I'll probably just I'll just pick with my heart today. Yeah, you'll do better than we will, I promise. <laughs> That's generally what you want to do. Before we do that, though, you you've retired. You're yeah. in Columbia, and uh, you've got a a new career. Why don't you tell folks what you're doing? Yeah, thank you for uh, letting me plug the company a little bit. I work for Colliers uh, in commercial real estate. I'm probably seven weeks in now. So anybody that's listening that needs anything in the commercial real estate space. Give me a call. I'm uh, 
I'm enjoying it so far. It's a lot different than my previous career, but uh, learning something new every day. Well, you mean like when you show up to uh, to work, there's not a bunch of people yelling at you to quit striking out <laughs> and, you know, things like that? Yeah. It's a little yeah. easier on the body, too, I'd say. <laughs> you don't have to squat down in the office all day? No, no. I got a nice comfy <laughs> chair. Get to ride around town a little bit. So it's it's How, going well. I, I'm working with Craig Waits, who's a rock yeah. star in the industry, so I'm learning a lot from him. How are your knees, by the way? I was I was a five nine catcher. I'm good, but you're you're six almost six six. How do you, how do you feel? Uh, they're they're fine now. I mean, when I was playing, I think I ended up having three knee surgeries, but they were all minor meniscus cleanups. Um, I had two while I was here at Carolina, and one when I was in pro ball. But some some days are better than others. Uh, it just depends what I'm doing that day. But uh, I think for the most part, being a six six catcher and playing for 20-something years, I think my knees held up okay. I would say so. And most importantly, mm-hmm. how's your how's your family? How are your children? How's your wife? Oh, they're doing good. My uh, my kids love the dad's home all the time now. Dad loves being home all the time now. And uh, we're getting settled into the real world, not having to travel all over the country and live out of a hotel. And uh, It's been great so far. I, I find myself missing baseball a lot, but um, – being able to be a dad and like I'm, I'm coaching my oldest one's t-ball team right now twice a week so uh being able to be just a regular person and, and see my kids all the time has been a blessing for sure well grayson we're proud of you uh oh, heck, thank of you. A, heck of a ball player and an even better person and maybe then maybe above all that better picker uh, we've got <laughs> we're about to find out we're about to find out. You're you you've got you've got competition uh, at the top of the leaderboard. Gamecock legend Patrick Davis. Now he did pick less games, but percentage wise, he's uh, nine and two. So he got eighty one percent of them right. And you'll pick the same number of games that former quarterback Anthony Wright did a couple of weeks ago, and he went ten we, and three. Are we doing against the spread or straight up? No, nah, nah, yeah. just winners and losers. Winners straight and losers. up. Okay, that makes it a little easier. <laughs> uh, so yeah, exactly. That's we we all have to. That's the only way we survive around here. So, right. all right, uh, Will, you're the uh, you will you'll make the final pick of the day at the end of the program for Carolina and Tennessee. But you'll also make the first pick in the first game that's actually going to kick off tonight at seven o'clock on ESPN. It is this is a game that's kind of crept up on everybody, guys. If you haven't been paying attention, Louisville is at NC State in the ACC. Louisville four and zero, two and zero. NC State three and one, one and zero. Louisville is a three and a half point favorite. Grayson, who wins, the Cardinals or the Wolfpack? Where did you say this game was? Is it in Raleigh or in Louisville? It, it's in Raleigh. Uh, I'll go. I'll go Louisville. I'll go Louisville on the road. They got uh, I think his name okay. is Jabari Thrash, the receiver. He's a. Uh, he I think play. he's going to be the difference. I like him. I'll wow. take Louisville. You, you weren't prepared, but you got one of the best wide receivers. I, I play, uh, I play, I play DraftKings college football every Saturday, oh. so I've learned a lot. <laughs> there you go. So he is better uh, than we are. Any offensive player, I'll know. Any of the defensive players, I might not know. Okay, all right. Well, go ahead, JC. I'm going to Louisville. I, I like Thrash, the Georgia State transfer, and Jeff Brown being home. I, I just think breath of fresh air for that program, and uh, I think they're really good. They'll be if they win this one five and zero with Notre Dame coming to town next week. Phil, Louisville, all the way. Dave Dorn, almost Dave Dorn last week. I think he will this week. 
<laughs> I think we're all in agreement here. I'm with y'all. I'm with Louisville. I just uh, it's pretty simple. I think they're better. All right. Uh, also tonight, another one. Hey, if you like Friday night football, here's a good one at nine o'clock on Fox Sports One. Out in the Pac-12, 10th ranked Utah is at 19th ranked Oregon State, who just uh, took their first loss of the season. Utah has had their quarterback issues, but they're still undefeated. Oregon State, of course, has DJ Ukulele. Uyunglele, I know how to say it. As their QB, John Fenwick, former South Carolina running back, is also their starting running back out there. So by virtue of that, I'll lead this one off, Grayson. I'm going with the Beavers. I think they take down Utah. Does anybody know if Cam Rising is playing tonight or is he out again? It's if he Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take Utah. I think their defense is one of the best defenses in the country. So I'll take Utah on the road. Okay. Fair. Good pick. I'm probably wrong. Yeah. I agree with Grayson. I like Utah. Uh, whether or not Cam is, you know, slinging it back there, they've been doing well without him. That defense is keeping him in it. This Utah team's battle tested too, man. UCLA, uh, you know, Baylor on the road, Florida at the opener. I mean, they know how to win. Um, I'm not saying the Beavs don't, uh, but uh, in this in the Pac-12, sometimes I'll think good things come to an end. But I, I, I think Utah's going to find a way to pull it out. I, I'm, I'm a Ute believer. We'll stay in the Pac-12, 21-and-a-half-point dogs at home, Colorado tomorrow against Southern Cal on Fox, so it'll kick off at 10 a.m. Grayson, they've been brought back to earth rapidly yeah. by the Oregon Ducks. Who, who do you have in this one? Uh, it, was, it, it was a cool story. Uh, I, I've enjoyed watching Dion, but I don't. I think Caleb Williams is too good. I'll go Southern Cal. JC? I've been on SC as well, but it'll be a close – it'll be a touchdown game in the fourth quarter. Ooh, Phil. Ooh, ooh. Uh, yeah, USC here as well, I think, uh, yeah. Is this going to be close? I don't know about that close, but close. Gamecock fans, don't uh, don't blink. Marshawn Lloyd will run for well over 100 tomorrow. <laughs> Southern Cal will win. And uh, I think that they will actually end up covering. All right. Uh, at noon tomorrow on ESPN, 22nd ranked Florida at Kentucky. This is a very important football game for Gamecock fans. The Gators are one-point dogs at Kroger Field in Lexington. If Kentucky wins, they'll be in the top 25 next week. They will be 5-0. and and 2-0 in the league if they win. Grayson, do they? I can't figure Florida out at all. I have no clue. Um, simply because I hated playing at Kentucky, I'll, I'll take Kentucky. It was, it was just a weird place to travel to and play, and uh, you never know what's going to happen when you go to Lexington. So I'll take Kentucky at home. I agree with you. JC? Kentucky. Yep, Phil? Kentucky. I'm going with Kentucky as well, and I agreed. Back back then, though, they didn't have the ballpark they have now. They had an erector set that you had to play in, Grace. That place yeah, was, that place a was terrible. Yeah. Texas A&M is at Arkansas tomorrow at noon. This is another important SEC game and a sneaky good one, I've got a feeling. The Aggies are six-point favorites at AT&T Stadium in Arlington on the network. Arkansas is searching for their first SEC victory of the season. A&M looking to go 2-0 in the league, 4-1. Overall, Connor Wegman is out. Max Johnson is in uh, for the Aggies. Who wins? Grayson? Uh, I'll take the experienced quarterback over the not-so-experienced quarterback. I'll take uh, take K.J. Jefferson in Arkansas at home. Ooh, I like it. What about you, J.C.? I'm going against everything I believe and taking the hogs because – 
you know, th- this game tried and true for eight years. It's always close. A&M always finds a way to win. Uh, something just tells me Arkansas is is got to get up off the mat, and it's time for that kind of little streak to come to an end. It's a 50-50 crowd. Uh, I'm going to go with Arkansas. I'm, I'm with Grayson. Uh, the KJ will make the difference. Phil? I'm going A&M here. Going A and M here. I think hmm. uh I think Fayetteville's gonna start to rumble with uh with some ill feelings towards Sam Pittman, although hmm. I don't think they'll be justified, but uh yeah. Yeah. You know who they do have ill feelings towards? Bobby Petrino, and he's on the other sideline this week, so Arkansas wins. I agree with Grayson. <laughs> All right. Uh tomorrow also at noon. Ooh. Ooh. Clemson at Syracuse. If they lose, they're under 500, and if they lose, they're 0-3 in the ACC. Ouch. Syracuse is undefeated at 4-0. The Tigers are six-and-a-half-point favorites, but Grayson, they always struggle in the Carrier Dome. Will they struggle tomorrow? I think they'll struggle, but I think they'll find a way to win. I feel like the last couple years when I've been watching that game, it's been a close game in the fourth quarter, and somebody misses a kick or there's a weird play and, and Clemson's found a way to win and uh, think they're more talented. If I, if, if I wasn't trying to beat Patrick Davis's nine and two record, you know exactly who I'd pick, but I'm trying to beat that one. So I'll take Clemson. <laughs> the competitor has arrived. Jason. I would never pick them. <laughs> I, I think so too. I mean, you know, because basically if, if Clemson loses, things really start to spiral out of control up there. Um, I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they pull it, pull it off. Probably be closer than people want it to be, but they'll pull it off. Bill, I don't care about my record. Syracuse wins this one. <laughs> they owe them one. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to jump on to uh, Phil's back here because I agree with him. I, I think Syrac- Syracuse's defense has actually been pretty good, and and I think that's going to give Clemson some problems. Uh, you can't just keep squeaking them all out up there. At some point in time, you're going to lose. Tomorrow's when they lose, and they're 0-3 in the league, and it really starts falling apart. All right, quick pick here, but it's on there because of Phil's dear friend, Marcus Satterfield. Michigan is at Nebraska at 3.30 on Fox tomorrow afternoon. Grayson, is this one even close? Michigan. I don't need to say a whole lot, I don't think. <laughs> no. I'm with you, Michigan. JC and Phil, I think, are on Michigan, and we can just end that conversation there unless y'all yeah. want to get a quick sat jab in or no. They, we'll Nebraska, the question is, will Nebraska cross the 50? The answer <laughs> to that is the over-under in this game, guys, is 39. Hmm. Black shirt defense has been pretty good this year, but um, yeah. all 39 points will be scored by Michigan. Yeah, All right, thirty-seven-three. Uh, right. <laughs> Kansas is <laughs> on the you. road at Texas at three thirty on ABC tomorrow afternoon. Texas is sixteen and a half point favorite. Both teams are four and zero. Their final year is Big Twelve quote rivals. Grayson, uh, I think I'd take Texas to win the game, but I think Kansas will cover that spread. They've they've given Texas issues over the last three or four years, and Devin Neal's really good running back. I'll take. I'll take Texas to win, but I think Kansas will will keep it fairly close. Although Texas looks like they they might be the real deal this year. I think so far Texas is to me Texas is probably if I had to rank a team number one, I probably rank Texas number one. They took care of business at at Baylor last week, Uh, but man, you got to watch those Jayhawks. I'm with Grayson. Texas wins. Kansas probably covers. 
Yeah, I'm I, I'm with Grayson. I think Texas win, Kansas co- covers as well. Phil? Um, yeah, I, I'm in agreement. I'm in agreement. I want to believe also, in my poll there in Jayhawk country, but yeah. Yeah, that's not, not, not this week. <laughs> uh, also at 3.30 on CBS, Georgia and Auburn pick quick, uh, quick pick here. Grayson, I've got Georgia winning. I actually have Auburn covering that 14 and a half. What do you have? I've got Georgia I've got Georgia winning and covering, I think. Auburn hadn't, hadn't looked too good. It's, I haven't watched them a whole lot on TV, but just looking awesome. at the box scores, they haven't looked great. Offense <laughs> struggling, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. AC? UGA wins, but, I mean, it'll be anxious early. Early competitive first quarter, they'll pull away. Phil? Georgia big. they got to prove it. All right. Uh, tomorrow night at 6 on ESPN, Ole Miss plays host to – LSU, another important game in the SEC West. Uh, Grayson, can Lane Kiffin get would, would be a kind of a signature win? Uh, they're two and a half point dogs to the Tigers. LSU wins, they go to three and zero. Ole Miss loses, they go to zero and two in the league, and more than likely out of the top twenty five. Who do you have? Yeah, when I was looking at the the slate you sent me earlier, this was the one that stood out that I just have no clue. Um, With you. Gut feeling, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with LSU. I just think they have a little more talent on defense. And last week, Ole Miss really struggled when they played against a talented defense in Alabama. So, uh, two good offenses, two good quarterbacks. I'll just go with my gut here and say LSU wins it. JC, I'm gonna go with Ole Miss in the upset because Link hasn't hired me at Tennessee in a Southern Cal. JC or uh, Phil. Going LSU, kind of like Georgia, they, they, they're going to put a prove-it game out there. I'm with J.C. I think Ole Miss finds a way to get it done at Vaught Hemingway tomorrow. Two good quarterbacks in this game, by the way, Daniels and, and Jackson Dart. Could be a could be a fun one to watch. I think the over-under is somewhere around 67. Yep, 67 and a half. Joe so Burrow. expecting Burrow. some points in the ballgame. For the first time ever, College Game Day has entered Durham, North Carolina for football, not basketball, Duke is number 17 in the country, hosting the 11th-ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who had their hearts broken last week. Grayson, there's got to be some type of carryover to that, right? Sam Hartman even said after the game, we're going to just be brokenhearted and devastated for a while, and then we'll start to get over it throughout the week. Hopefully that didn't linger too long. It's not like they're going to walk into some crazy atmosphere. It's not at Wallace Wade, and they will have plenty of their own fans there, but Will Duke hang around and maybe make this thing interesting? What do you think? Y'all are going to call me crazy. I'm going to take Duke in this one. Just watching them that first week against Clemson, they had some serious speed on their defense. And Notre Dame, you know, doesn't light the world on fire on offense. I think it'll be a close game and the game's at home. So I'm going to bank on something crazy happening, a defensive touchdown or or something crazy on special teams. But uh, I'll take Duke in this one. Just why not? Wow. That's (laughs) bold. Because I'm heading back to live with my fiance this next week. I'm taking Notre Dame. Okay. I don't want to be around her. She's a big Notre Dame fan. I don't want to be around her if, if they lose to Duke. Good call. Bill? Go, Joe. Oh, I struggled with this one all week, but I'm going to stick with what I said yesterday. Uh, Notre Dame wins, but Duke keeps it real close. I, I think, think that, yeah. Fourth yeah. quarter, Notre Dame pulls yeah. yeah, this is a tight game, and both teams look real good. Yeah, Grayson has really got my mind. I can see it now. Now that somebody has been bold enough and brave enough to say it, I can I see close. it. Uh, 
but I don't think it'll happen. I think Notre Dame will score late, and it probably, by virtue of that score, end up covering uh, that five-and-a-half that they're favored by, 7.30 on ABC. 9 o'clock ESPN tomorrow night, Alabama's at Mississippi State. A lot of people think the Tide finally maybe kind of righted the ship last week. They'll just go into Davis Wade. They'll just roll right on out of there. I don't know, Grayson. Uh, I think uh, Mississippi State is kind of a a dangerous team right now because they've kind of rediscovered that, I don't know, maybe we can throw the football more than we were, but we also know we can run. What do you think? I, I mean, Mississippi. I was at the game last week. Mississippi State. I mean, they looked impressive on offense. I just think talent wins out again. Bama's just loaded up and down the roster with five stars. Where generally, ninety-nine times out of hundred, you take the team with more talent, and if you do that, it usually works out. So I'm going to take Alabama, even though it's on the road, and they've got some issues at quarterback and on offense. But I'll just take the the more talented team. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think Mississippi State's going to make this a game. Bama's more talented. They win. And they do not cover those. State will will cover that thing. Maybe like a 20, 30 to 17 type ball game, something like that. JC? Yeah, I'm with you. Bama. Bama. Phil? Bama. Bears. Yeah, same. I think the top three teams in this league are going to separate themselves this weekend, and that means Bama big over Mississippi State. And finally, tomorrow night, Neyland in Knoxville. Is it on me? Yeah. Uh, no, you're well, last. Was, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah you're, you're, hold on. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're the final right. pick. Yeah, that's right. I, you, know, yeah, you, know, I, I, you know, I was going to – oh, I, here. Sorry about the technical glitch there, Grayson. Everybody was left hanging for a second. I'll lead this off since we're past time and we've all got to get back to work. Um, Look, I'm a believer in this Carolina football team, and I don't think what happened two years ago is going to happen tomorrow night. And I understand the PTSD of the fan base and being fearful that it may. When you've got Spencer Rattler on your side, good things can happen. And uh, when you have a defense that is – at least checking the boxes. Can they check them all at one time? We'll find out tomorrow. But they're checking the boxes, and when they can do that, those are the type defenses that have given Joe Milton issues over the over the past few years, getting him out of the pocket, getting him moving, and forcing him to do things that he's not comfortable doing. I do think Carolina will win the game tomorrow night, and I'm actually saying that pretty confidently. Um, this is not just a pick. I'm with you. I'd like to beat Patrick Davis every week. He's one of my best buddies. Um, but I like the matchup for Carolina in this game. I think the energy all week long is actually going to play a little bit of a – he's going to have a little bit of a negative reaction uh, in the game tomorrow night for, for the Vols. I think Carolina upsets them. I think it's close, but I think that they beat them. Uh, JC? 
It's weird because I don't like feel confident about the game. I, I'm like, you said, like as a as a Carolina guy, I'm kind of like, uh, so maybe I have a little bit of that PTSD. But when I kind of look at the matchups, uh, you know how Carolina's played. This is one of those games where you look at them at three and one. They haven't played very many good teams. The one decent team they played, they really didn't compete that that well. They're going to be jacked up. Sometimes that works against you in athletics. I'm, I'm with you. I think the Gamecocks win, and that's just kind of based on me analyzing it and, and not a feeling. I'm not hooked on a feeling. So you're going with Carolina? 38-35. Ooh. Ooh. Bill? Uh, same. I like the way we stack up against this team. Uh, I don't think Tennessee's shown anybody anything this year and uh, not scared about those, you know, three not conference opponents that they really showed out with. And uh, no, I like Carolina uh, by 10 points, 37, 27, 37 points on the road. Finally, Grayson, you seem like you're the most informed of all of us here today, and you're more than likely going to wax the floor with Patrick Davis. So your thoughts. Uh, I mean, you know me a little bit, JB. I think I'd pick Carolina to beat the chiefs every week. Uh, just, I'll always pick them no matter what, even if it doesn't look realistic, but I, I'm with you guys. I think it's we. I mean, we went into Athens and had an 11 point lead at halftime. It's, that's as crazy of an environment as you're going to see, even though it's going to be a night game in Knoxville. But like you said, when you have Rattler and, in my opinion, one of the top three receivers in the country in Leggett. I mean, I I had never seen him in person run like that, like he did last week, and I he was he caught the ball at like the 30 yard line, and a second later he was 20 yards ahead of everybody. It, it kind of took your breath away. So. When we have that kind of talent on offense, I think we have a chance against anybody. So I'm obviously going to take the Gamecocks. A clean sweep for Carolina. I hope that's a good omen as to what happens tomorrow night at Neyland. Grayson, thank you. Great to see you. Oh, yeah. I hope yep. you're right. Good to see I'll, you guys. I'll give you your record on Monday. Sunday. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Thank you guys for having me. Yes, sir. Thanks, thank man. you. There you go. The great Grayson Griner, former catcher at Carolina and in the Big Leagues. Thanks to Michael Flint, JC, Phil, and all of you. We hope you have a wonderful weekend, and we sure hope you pull those Gamecocks through. We'll be back for three hours starting Monday at 11 a.m. JC and Morgan up first at 9.30 Monday a.m., Monday morning. And we can't wait to see you then. Have a chicken cock weekend.